Hello and welcome to episode 293 of The Yellow Report. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and this week we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's 2-2 draw away to Eintracht Frankfurt and preview Saturday's Topspiel against Werder Bremen. To discuss all that and more joins me the one and only Konstantin Eckner. Hello Konstantin, how are you doing? Hello Stefan, how are you? Pretty well. Um, first things first, this episode is sponsored by the extremely generous George Clark. Thank you for your uh, yeah, very generous contribution. And Jordan and his wife Suvi, who are from Charlotte, North Carolina, and will visit their very first game at the Westfalenstadion this Saturday. Thanks for your contribution and enjoy the game, guys. Um, yeah, I have to say, sadly, it's only us two because Matthias is uh, on a work trip and Lars has fallen ill. So get well soon, Lars. Konstantin, but... Keep fighting. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> but all that being said, um, after this um, quite interesting 2-2 result away to Eintracht Frankfurt, I wanted to talk to you, anywho, because um, you were one of the few, on Twitter at least, to voice criticism um, that actually had to do with football and not with mentality, and we'll get to that later, but... Um, I, I would agree with you in many ways, but particular in your analysis after the game. So, um, of course, Dortmund had two leads, one per halftime and threw it away in the end. In the 88th minute, Thomas Delaney scored an own goal. But uh, I think in both instances, Dortmund sort of backed for it. Um, and with that, Dortmund's away record still looks uh, quite... Yeah, dire. Just one win, one loss and one draw after three away matches in the Bundesliga, which is uh, not where Dortmund want to be. And now they're third in the table, three points behind Leipzig, one point behind Bayern. Um, but given how, quote unquote, easy the schedule was for Dortmund so far, this is definitely not satisfying. And uh, if I may say so, I didn't think Frankfurt was particularly good on Sunday. So um, that makes it even worse. So, Konstantin, I will free you on your endless monologue now and asking you what went wrong for Dortmund. Oh, that's a very open uh, question, actually. Yes, um, I think I, I think uh, you can make general points or specific ones, however you see fit. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, where, where to begin? Um, I guess looking at the Frankfurt match, I mean, it came basically down to uh, Dortmund not really um, closing the match when they had a chance, when they when they were leading, also uh, not uh, dominating the match in stretches where it was really necessary to back Frankfurt off a little bit. Um, that didn't happen because when I voiced my criticism on Twitter, as you mentioned, uh, it was really about Dortmund not being as dominant as they should be, and then far for not having the right mindset about being a do- or having a dominant team instead of um, what he likes to do. What it seems he likes to do is uh, to sit deep uh, when leading or in the second half or so, and you know really just just trying to fence off the uh, opponents. But um, after all, that that doesn't that doesn't necessarily work out against a couple of opponents, especially teams like Frankfurt. Who are strong uh, playing down the rings, uh, where Dortmund lacks some quality in terms of defending the rings. I think that was very obvious uh, in this match in particular. Um, and I mean, both goals uh, were assisted by cross passes. Um, the second goal, even by like basically two cross passes. Um, when you see how Hinteregger uh, makes a run into the box and basically uh, plays. Um, the lateral t- uh, to yeah to the other side and then Delaney basically knocks it in but yeah you get yeah, my yeah, point yeah it was it was Kamada who, who it was Kamada back. right yeah but it was basically you know it was also like a cross pass it's I mean if 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 Delaney doesn't uh, knock it uh, knock it into the net then yeah it, it, it was a shrust like a, yes, a, a yes. cross and a, sh- sh- a shot in in one and yep. before we before we actually talk about the defensive liability that Dortmund have on the wings which you know i if if we look at the goal i i think it's just really hard for Guerrero to even block that cross and uh, it would be more on Julian Brandt 
to uh, you know pick up the run of Hinteregger. Um, if if I would point my criticism, but before we talk about that, which Gore I just but Guerrero is on the left side and Hinteregger was on the other side. Yes, exactly. But ah, but so you, you mean you, yeah, you right, and Brandt right. was the one uh, okay. yeah, asleep yeah. who didn't yeah, cover Hinteregger? Yeah, yeah, or or, or Hakimi. I mean, that's that's also uh, what's really striking right now. Uh, more to make more of a general point is um, the. Dortmund just also lack consistency. Uh, what I mean with consistency is that you have someone like Hakimi, for instance, who makes a few pretty great appearances for uh, after, or had made a few great appearances after um, Piszczek was injured or got injured. And you really thought, like, yeah, there's no need to rush uh, Piszczek back on the field because Hakimi does his job quite well uh but then you got a match like that one against frankfurt where it was really on a silver platter for for hakimi to to have another great match because he plays he has a, the matchup against kostic is very favorable uh because kostic just kostic and tracking back something like i don't know doesn't really work too well together and you had a few a few scenes where you can really see a few situations where where hakimi really exploited uh kostic's lack of defensive reliability and and just him take that seriously to track back that's also why Hinteregger plays behind him to basically um give him some some protection but still uh but after all um I mean there wasn't much Hakimi did in that match and I just pick out one player there are other players you could also pick out like Royce um <laughs> on Jaden Sancho of course uh, I don't think they lack consistency. They just uh, lack any, f uh, lack a lot of things right now. It's not about consistency because they haven't really performed that well. I mean, Sancho scored a couple of goals, yes, uh, but in terms of just overall performance um, and uh, attacking output apart from goals, uh, which is also important because you know if you score one, but it's also good to make your uh, teammates look good. Um, and that's not really the case right now. So um, there's just I, I, there's no consistency uh, when it comes to the to the team overall because some players play great one week and play pretty badly uh, three four five days later um, so that's also somehow um, and pretty big issue right now and also when you look at the team uh, at Frankfurt I mean yes they were leading twice uh, during the match but still who was really on the pitch and really an outstanding performer that night. Really, I mean, maybe Axel Witzel. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe. But there's maybe one, you know, maybe one or two. So maybe Witzel and Hazard made a pretty, pretty good match actually. Um, okay, let's say there are two. So that's it. Um, it's, it's like you got eleven players on the pitch and you got like maybe one or two who really were outstanding and all the other players were pretty mediocre um still you, you are leading against frankfurt but I, I i try to look at the at the bigger picture here uh because you can drop two points at frankfurt i don't think that's 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 uh devastating uh because frankfurt is a is, is still um despite you know losing their free strikers they they you know have have uh Signed a couple of new players in their tech for their attacking department, so it isn't that, isn't that bad uh, when it comes to Frankfurt and the overall quality of the Frankfurt squad. But um, you know, it's just Dortmund lacks, I don't know, some consistency and and just uh, reaching the you know the the levels where you really should perform when you want to uh, compete for the championship, and they don't do that right now. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment, um, especially if we talk about Marco Reus or Jaden Sancho, um, especially in Sancho's case, the output, the scorer points, the goals, the assists is all there, but um, everything else, not really. Um, and that's obviously a problem. What I found about this match is that Frankfurt didn't really play well and Dortmund were quite sloppy, but um, nevertheless, I thought Dortmund were still the dominant side. However... Um, there were too many moments where Dortmund had the chance to break Frankfurt and, and completely pick them apart, but then the, the through ball or whatever just never came off because Dortmund got stuck in midfield because they took too many touches, be it Delaney, Royce, or sometimes even Witzel, uh, Sancho, wh whoever ha had the ball. And, uh, you know, you just talked about Hakimi. I think him and Hazard or, or Sancho also, these three players had, I think, three or four instances where they had miles of green ahead of them and one ball 
would have completely opened up the entire field, but that ball never came. And then, of course, we are talking about a 2-2, and uh, that result might affect how we talk about that game. But um, I want to come back to ha Hakimi and uh, your point about how Lucien Favre plays, because I agree that Dortmund should not just sit back so often and, and try to counter them. Um, I think that's a good option if you're coach at Gladbach, but I think at Dortmund you need to tweak that a little bit. In some phases of the game it's okay, but not for like 15 minutes or, or, or however long it was. I, I think Dortmund are way too susceptible to just inviting, inviting the opponent to play half-field crosses into the box and just, you know, the old spray and pray football. And um, what I would like you to, to ask you about is um, when we look at how Dortmund lost the ball before the 2-2. I think it was just a simple ball by Hakimi to the right in into the, uh, you know, past the sideline. I think he just missed Sancho. But it it was out of a move where Dortmund were rushing forward again after the turnover. And, you know, it's obviously an unforced error, but I think these errors arise from Dortmund's style of play that once they gain possession very deep in their own half that they are so desperate to to play it forward you know with with the highest speed instead of trying to control it and that of course forces a lot of turnover turnovers to the opponent that you could prevent by just keeping the ball a bit with let's call it defensive possession so i'd like to to know how you would handle it if you were the Dortmund coach and how you would approach it opposed to Favre is doing right now Yeah, I mean, what you say is is one of the I think major uh, points of criticism um, towards Favre that um, sitting deep is one thing that's concerning, but also that then these uh, let's say long range counterattacks not really work out that well. I mean, I don't know if there's maybe a wrong perception of like what uh, Dortmund's attacking. Uh, department, you know, the front four can really do. I mean, they are all quite fast, but they are more like dynamic than fast, so to say. Like when, when they can really run down an opponent, they are much, much better than, um, just these long dashes, these 50 yard dashes, uh, where you try to, you know, being outnumbered three, three, three against five or something, um, where they try to, uh, break through and often enough lose the ball. And the, and then these turnovers, and then they have to track back, and it's really tiring. Also, um, especially for someone like like Paco Alcasa, who is just you know <laughs> who's just trying to keep these counter attacks alive again and again, and then making like runs that are pretty much pointless. But since he's the set of forward, he has to make them. Or is just um, you know chasing the ball. Um, Yeah, so, when when he gets the ball, he, he tries to make some outrageous flick on or back heel just to play it fast. And I think sometimes that's also just detrimental to Dortmund's attack. Just to sure. add to that. I mean, yeah, and, and also when he when he chased the ball and he, he gets it uh, ahead of one of the defenders, then mostly like he's he's somewhere uh, on the left side, or often on the left side, you know, somewhere out there, but not really in the center of the pitch. So um, there's no really... A, and then the, then the defender can basically stand him up and you know uh position him the defender can then position himself um and pretty much block um Alcázar's, uh path towards the goal and you know Alcázar has to do something else and then that gets additional pressure from one of the left maybe the left back uh, or the right back uh tracks back and then he's like, outnumbered again and and again like it doesn't really work out that way i mean Farber was quite successful with Gladbach back in the day um With these with these counter attacks, um, but different team, different time, different opponents actually. It's also yeah, and also something. different. Uh, what do you call it? Anspruch? Different uh, level yeah. level of expectations. Yeah, yeah, basically because yeah, he did well at Gladbach, but it's not like he won the championship there. So um, there were also a lot of dull games with him at Gladbach too. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there there were there were many many um, games were just where Gladbach etched out um, wins. Um, and also, I mean, they had they had a couple of really fast players and, and, and as a great ball carrier in Rafael, actually. 
Um, so still, um, it was different. Also, opponents, uh, well, many Bundesliga teams uh, these days know much, much better how to defend these counterattacks because the, the, in the league overall, there's, there was so much counterattacking going on for quite a while. Um, that of course many teams got, got smarter and, and now know how to defend these counterattacks much, much better, especially like also individually, the center backs know, um, quite well how to position themselves, um, to basically, you know, finish up, neutralize these counterattacks. Yeah, I think um, so Hinteregger and Hasebe did quite well this particular thing that you just said, the last ditch defending the rest verteidigung or whatever. Um, or, you know, when, when, when Dortmund broke through, I think Hasebe especially is just a very smart defender who, who knows right. how to handle these things. Right. Yes. Um, also, uh, remember the first 25 minutes or so against Leverkusen, uh, where, um, Alcazar, uh, you know, made runs, runs against, uh, Jonathan Tarr like four or five times. Um, and Tar was pretty, I mean, Tar is not like fa- really fast or something. He's not, he's not quicker than Alcazar, but still he was, he was quite smart and he was, you know, he was ahead of Alcazar always. And, and knew how to pr- pretty much, you know, um, let nothing going to happen. So, um, and then it can be quite frustrating. And also then, uh, you know, the, the entire team, the, the back line and also the two center midfielders have to, uh, push forward, you know, to, to close the gap to Alcaza and Royce and Sancho. Um, but also have to be quite wary about, um, basically long balls, you know, basically the, the counter counter attacks. Uh, that can come um, and can caught them on the wrong foot. I uh, can catch them on the wrong foot. Um, so yeah, it, overall, I think I think from more of a strategic uh, point of view, it's not really working what what Farfra uh, wants to do. I mean, there are matches and there are like situations and and um, just pretty much matchups um, where Dortmund can look pretty pretty and inc- not incredible, but pretty good. Um, especially uh, Leverkusen second half against Leverkusen, for instance. There, uh, there's an open open match. There's a, a bit of craziness, a bit of wildness. There's this like you know there are open spaces. Um, the, the 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 opponents are not as compact as they should be. Um, so then Dortmund looks pretty good, and uh, then I think the quality of the front four and of Witzel and of Hakimi, these guys really can shine. Um, but in matches like the one against Frankfurt, for instance, um, it, the, the quality isn't really like feasible. I mean, you'd see that Dortmund is, of course, one of the better teams or the best teams in the Bundesliga, but, um, it's not as obvious as it, as it should be, I think, um, or as it has to be, um, to play for the, for the championship. Um, yeah, and especially, especially when Dortmund then start, start to sit so deep, and just defend in the in a pretty deep four four two, um, just not really what they what what they should do. I mean, we talked about Jurgen Klopp before the show, um, just just briefly, and I think what what Klopp really does well and did well at Dortmund is uh, also is that um he makes his center backs especially uh, or his backline in, in general he he makes his backline shine um and makes them makes them look incredibly good why why Be- because um he basically protects the backline as much as he can with just more intense pressing with a more intense defending by the midfielders so the backline of course they have to you know clean some of the, uh, clean um some balls you know make some clearances um make some last man or last ditch tackles and so on and, and they also have to defend the penalty area and and on, on occasions but not as as often as uh Dortmund's backline right now has to do um, and that's why, you know, under club, like Neven Zupotic, for instance, looked like a world beater. Um, and that's why basically every center back under Jürgen club, not named Dejan Lovren, has <laughs> uh, looked incredibly, incredible. Um, so even, even Joel Matip. <laughs> um, so, uh, but, but Farfa, um, does a disservice to his, uh, to his defenders, basically. Um, I mean, they can, of course, survive on, on individual quality, especially someone like Hummels or Guerrero or, or, or Kanji. Um, they can, of course, uh, 
to a large extent, but still, um, they suffer under, under the Fiverr system. And, um, I don't know if it's really working that well. And also, if you got uh, uh, players like Witzland, Delaney in center midfield, who are also great pressing players when they when they are a little bit uh, positioned a little bit higher, and when they can go into these intense duels or can you know play zone coverage at times even, um, then I think it's it's much much better than just to have them uh, be positioned ten yards ahead of the um, penalty area where they have to just stand and and just watch the opponents and just make uh, or do man-to-man coverage um that's yeah, can just... i interject though real quick sure. um i've i'm i'm wondering how intense you could press if you could actually play that jürgen club style of pl- pressing right now with dortmund's front two let's let's say with alcasa and with marco royce because alcasa um to me is not the, the fastest and most dynamic striker who has the, um, let's say, energy levels to keep that intensity up for 90 minutes. It doesn't have to be 90 minutes, of course, but to, to play it often enough to be effective, let's put it this way. And um, if you've seen Marco Reus play, be it for the German national team or Borussia Dortmund, I think his intensity is also quite lacking. There are too many instances where he's just trotting over the field instead of trying to press. Um, I don't know if that's down to the coach or just because of his age i mean obviously he's 30 years old not as dynamic as as he used to and uh, is doing a little bit less of running um yes he has a couple of moments in the game where he tracks back quite deeply and, and, and wins possession but if you talk about a more structural approach then i think both alcasa and royce are a bit problematic right now and i don't see how this would change to the positive so I would ping that question back at you. Um, if Favre were to say, okay, uh, guys, it's time to press more intense in, in more phases of the game. Do you even think that's feasible right now for, for Dortmund with uh, Alcazar Royce basically leading the line? Yeah, but they are leading the line, but they are not the one, uh, the ones who uh, are supposed to intercept. Um, they just, yeah, they are just, uh, different too. And basically just, um, keeping opposing center backs busy, um, using cover shadows to neutralize opposing center midfielders and stuff. And that's, that's what they can do. I mean, Royce is a pretty, actually a pretty talented pressing player, uh, which he shows at, at times, but not as often. Um, <laughs> it's my criticism exactly. Yeah, sure. Why not? But I, I think I think I think that that comes down to uh, more comes down more to the system uh, that Dortmund plays right now. If if you are the only one who who's in, pressing intensely, I mean <laughs> that makes no sense. No. Um, and also also at the German national team is basically the same. I mean these days uh, or after you know in the, during the last twelve months, let's say, um, the German national team plays much more passive or defends much more passively. Um, then it did, or no, not really, actually. Actually, the German national team was, was never really a pressing team. Um, not since 2010, really, I would never, say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the last, yeah, 10 years. Um, it was never really a strong suit of, of, of German's national team under, under Löw. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know how, how you can really, um, take that into account, I guess. Um, so but, yeah, but, but in terms of, oh, as far as Dortmund pressing, um, I guess, I guess I I am I of the belief you can do that. I mean you can you have Hassan and, and Götze is actually a pretty like from an individual standpoint is is one of the more talented uh pressing players, Pratt as well. Um so I mean you have the players to do that and um it's I mean, more of a collect- collective Lever- effort actually. Yeah, and we saw against Leverkusen and Barcelona in instances that Dortmund's counter pressing is actually quite sharp if they actually try it, which uh, I think is just not often enough. So to summarize your criticism on Favre right now is that you think um, he is not trying to play dominantly enough. And I think for, for Dortmund, that has been, you know, the the question of their own evolution literally uh, in, in the recent years since Jurgen Klopp made them big. Because I think the, the problem for Dortmund under Klopp in the final seasons were exactly... Um, similar questions we're, we're asking right now is that Dortmund were a very good team, yes... But the best teams are the best teams because they consistently play well, irrelevant of who is your opponent. You just manage to impose your own game 
regardless of who you play against. And for Dortmund right now and back then, the problem was there was a specific type of opponent they played extremely well against and there was a specific type of opponent they completely could not break down, completely struggled with. And I, I think um, there was a period under Thomas Tuchel where this, this uh, problem for Dortmund was actually, you know, I wouldn't say solved, but but it, it was mitigated. And now I think it's... it's yeah, for, for, first season under Tore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. Dortmund finally switched to possession football and, and became... I mean, dominant. they played possession football under, under, under Klopp. I, I don't think, I don't think uh, you can really say that you have to play possession football. I mean, there are, there are teams in Europe who don't play possession football, but they are still dominant because you just, as you say, you have, you have to uh, basically... Um, do your thing, you know, and, and be, and be consistent and be intense. Uh, you can also be in more an intense pressing team and still be dominant and yeah, still m make, make the opponent suffer. But right now, Dortmund doesn't do one or the other. Uh, yeah, but really an intense, Anna, Anna intense possession football or, or an intense pressing football like it was, or counter pressing possession football like it was under Klopp. You know, Klopp's, Klopp's football is also counter pressing possession. Uh, Tuchel's was more like uh, just possession, possession. Um, and you can see it. You know, Liverpool is, is a good example. It's, it's also possession and counter pressing a lot, and that's how they are dominant against so many teams. Uh, even against Barcelona and, and, and the likes. Um, and Dortmund doesn't do one or the other. It's just that. Yeah, it's need, passive non-possession. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like non-possession and passive defending. So it's like, it's like the worst of, of both worlds. Um, and what, what I think it's, it's really, um, it's, um, no, it's, it just, it just, I don't know, Farfus oral approach is the, is the problem here. Um, doesn't it doesn't really work that, that well i mean it worked um at times in the past but um as you said it worked for Gladbach uh to some extent it worked for Nice when he was in France um but that was even a little bit different um but right now it doesn't he, um if you want to be a dominant side and maybe you ha you don't have the like best squad that's out there you know you have a very good squad and a good starting 11 but you don't have like like 11 world beaters on the pitch, which, in, I mean, in Dortmund's case, I think the squad is great and there are a lot of great players on the pitch in the start, and each starting 11, they have so much, they had so, so far. Still, it's not like Hassar or, or, uh, Delaney is like levels above the Frankfurt players. It's not the case. So, and, and I come back to Liverpool. It's the same. Look at Liverpool mid, midfield. Not like, like, uh, Gigi, Vinaldom and and uh, John Henderson are like levels above the op uh, opposition, but what they do is they're really radical with their footballing approach. And I know I think if you want to be dominant, and maybe you don't have the the best players um, and like a Real Madrid like squad, you need a radical footballing approach. Look at Liverpool, look at Atletico, um, they do it that way, you know, and they are highly successful and not just successful because I think under Farfer you can always be in the top four to, uh, top three uh but i think the right now the expectations at dortmund as you know they stated during the summer um what's again the likes um they want to win the championship so you have to do more you have to be more radical um and i think I don't dortmund were quite radical after they went up one nil because he can be radical in in several directions so you and mean negatively yeah yeah, yeah and, right. uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I I thought it was quite amazing, also in the in the worst sense possible, how Dortmund abated. Really, I mean, they they put more pressure on Frankfurt until they scored, and then they just sort of dropped off. And uh, which is also concerning because they scored in the eleventh minute. So yeah, yeah, it's but like, it's not yeah. You know, sometimes sometimes maybe you score late in the game or after sixty minutes, and maybe you have to regain some energy or something. Yeah, that's all right. But they scored like after a couple of minutes and they right away, uh, turned into like just, uh, I don't know, uh, what it is an, an old fashioned Italian site or something. Yeah. Basically they were like, okay, we're one up. Now we can just, uh, shift three gears down and, and wait for the next counterattack or whatever. And, uh, I, I think. You should ignore the scoreline and just be as relentless as before. And Dortmund were influenced by that, and this is 
what brings us back to the good old mentality question, um, where I feel like it's maybe not a conscious thing, but Dortmund just do play a bit differently. Obviously, um, the, the scoreline also changes the um, impetus of Frankfurt, obviously. They know need to score and, and get back into the game. So they obviously will do a little bit more. But um, I think it's unacceptable for Dortmund in the uh, next half hour, basically, to do uh, less and less. And uh, in in the end, I think in the 43rd minute, they conceded and it was, uh, yeah, very deserved at that point because Dortmund were just so passive. And that, to me, is something that, that really annoys me because... Um, It, it's just unnecessary. I think at this point of the season and knowing how the game away to Union Berlin went, you need to play with more intensity and as you put it so nicely, more radical. So um yeah. I, I don't I don't know what the, what there is more to say, especially Frankfurt in my view were there for the taking. Frankfurt made a lot of mistakes. They had a lot of weird turnovers and not a lot of coherence in, in their game and I, I thought that Frankfurt were just as susceptible as they were against Arsenal two counter-attacks but uh, even that Dortmund botched too many times so um, yeah that's just quite annoying because I think this this was a game where Dortmund could have comfortably won 2-0, 3-0, and of course a lot of people said you know all these discussions were void if, if Dortmund were just clinical And I have to say to that, yeah, but um, usually Dortmund are very clinical. I think they uh, outperform their expected goals. I haven't looked at it, but that's just how I feel it is. And um, obviously there will be days where not as clinical as in, at other days. But nevertheless, I, I think the issues are a bit more structural. And I, I think we've discussed this at, at length. And um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about the game and I, I think the discussion about Lucien Favre is warranted and uh, if he really and his, his idea is is the right if he's the right guy at the right time for Dortmund I believe he necessarily isn't but maybe there will come a turnaround from I don't know where but I, I don't see it I think that Dortmund will remain to be a stronghold at home but if that's how they present themselves away from home so often then I just think uh You know, time will just mean that their average points that they score will, will be so low that they just can't keep up with Bayern and Leipzig who look much stronger, more radical and more intense, to be honest, in, in their games right now than Dortmund who look like they don't care. And that's something we criticized uh, in the in the Rückrunde. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, do, do you have any other things to say about um, this game of about what happened on the pitch or in general no okay then uh, i think we can move on to what happened after the game <laughs> right because uh marco royce went on a little rant in an interview with Eki Häuser, and uh, i took the liberty to transcribe uh, the uh, discussion and i will play the field reporter from sky Eki Häuser and constantine has the honor of uh, playing marco royce and uh I will just begin now. After the humiliation away to Union Berlin, a lot of things were said about Dortmund's mentality. Is that still lacking? This is really going on my nerves with your mentality bullshit, seriously. But doesn't it hit the nail on the head? Today? Are you serious now? The 2-2 was scored to mentality? Are you serious? We played dumb, sure, but don't come to me with your shit about mentality. Every week it's the same crap. Our main problem is that we can't see out a game. But that has nothing to do with mentality. A goal like the 2-2 just mustn't happen. If we make it 3-1, this game is over. But we also could have seen it out to win 2-1. But we didn't. That's it. <laughs> yep. Very nice, Konstantin. Uh, it's much better than the uh, Italian <laughs> version you read earlier to me. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what to, to mentality. Hmm? <laughs> no, but, but honestly, what, what do you make of, of this uh, outburst of Marco Royce? I can understand that see, he feels it's not about mentality and, you know, the mentality word is, is overused in football. But I, I think, I mean, it's a lazy question. It's not the question I would ask. But I also think you, you are allowed as a field reporter after this performance to ask it. How, how do you see the... Um, 
eruption of the team captain at the sideline. Yeah. I mean, I think if if someone questions your mentality, it's 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 a it does imply basically that um, you know the team doesn't really give their all or something. It's uh, yeah, it's an insult to your character. That's yeah, true. yeah, it's an insult to your character and to your work ethic and, and and stuff like that. So I think that's why uh Royce took it that way. Also I think he took it that way because he just has performed like crap and <laughs> he knows it. Um so I guess also you know he, it's it's quite easy right now to get under his skin I guess. Um so the real question, and then we come back to Farfra, uh, the main character of this episode. Um, that it's, it's not really about like the team, like some work ethic or something. It's not that, it's not that. Uh, it's more that, um, th- there's something wrong with like Dortmund just sitting back and, you know, not really playing intensely. Uh, but you have to question the coach much more than, um, maybe some of the players, because if they execute what the coach wants, I mean, they still make them make mistakes, but, um, they don't make mistakes in terms of like tactical execution or something. Um, and also what he, what he said, uh, I mean, I remember what he said in German, you, you try to, you try to translate it. Also, it's a little bit, uh, difficult to really translate verbatim. Um, uh, but <laughs> what he, what we, what he said or what Ray said, um, or what he responded, uh, was that basically it's not about mentality. It's about how we defend our like defensive performance. Our, you know, um, and, and that's, that's something. That much rarer questions what the team does as a collective base or what the what the coach wants him to do. So um either it's something you know like down to just individual mistakes defensively, or it's down to the overall approach the team has to take. Um because the, the coach says so. Um so I, I guess when I interpreted uh Roy's response, you know correctly um i guess that's that's much more what what he is uh annoyed about um so yeah but overall i mean if you question the mentality of players i mean uh, they will usually f- either they give you a no answer or a, like a, a non answer or they uh, will will basically fire back because uh Usually that's not something you should do i mean what's Roy supposed to uh, supposed to say yeah we lack mentality we are just, you know, we, we only play great when the sun is shining. So, yeah, we're a bunch right. of lazy clowns. Uh. Yeah, we're a bunch of lazy millionaires. So, sorry. It's like, okay. I mean, then he can just, you know, retire as uh, Dortmund's captain and just, I don't know, leave or something. Um, so, no, of course he doesn't. Yeah, um, I, I think it's a lazy question because the... You know the word mentality is misused in so many ways because uh, it's 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 not descriptive enough and it's it's weird because especially Germans are usually known for their very precise uh, language skills, let's say, and and because uh, there are a million words in German language. Exactly. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's it's a bit annoying that uh, this is what comes out of, and I I can completely understand any rough. <laughs> pointed towards sky to be honest um but yeah i just thought it was funny and so uh, wanted to reenact that a little bit in my defense so i have the the quotes from like a 20 second video that someone posted on twitter and whatever uh kicker transcribed right after the game i don't know how accurate that is so i'm, I'm glad you could add a little bit more to to that little uh tidbit there from from yeah, Royce, but yeah. it was just uh, funny to be honest it, uh, yeah it was more f- more fun than anything else i mean it's, it's just yeah don't read too much into stuff like that basically no. it's, it's it's also football and even even like this post match stuff although i think sometimes it's a little bit of like overdone um these days but still it's also part of like a entertainment machine basically yeah um Although, as I said, I mean, I think like these, especially the post-match and uh, interviews and the post-match analysis on on TV are, you know, it's like overdone to some extent now. Yeah, the, the, um, the questions are not really good. And if the question is good, you will also not get a good answer because the player will just say, well, I have to rewatch the game and then I can give you an answer, basically. 
Yeah, or he will he will give you a non-answer, like basically, no, I, I don't, I, you know, yeah, we made a couple of mistakes, now we have to get back on the training pitch and, you know, do yeah, our yeah. homework and then we'll, we will uh, get three points next weekend. Or so. Yeah, the, like, the, the, the coach will show us the errors and then we'll improve yeah, them yeah. next week. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay, all right, all right. Um, so, uh, yeah, and, and reading too much into, like, a, a few sentences spoke after matches like it's of course i mean the papers have have to be filled and twitter has to be filled <laughs> i mean if twitter's empty then that, that, that can't be it's only um, luca left then <laughs> then it's only said. luca left uh with like an old uh, vintage dortmund sh uh, jersey and that's it um yeah so of course um and also like tv time they, they have like 30 minutes 45 minutes for post-match stuff so i mean you have to do to do something with, with the time um even if, if euros are dropping by the minute um so yeah yeah all right okay so um i think we have thoroughly discussed the uh, game against frankfurt I'm sure we could have talked a little bit more about individual performances, but uh, I, I thought while I have you on, while you're not giving speeches to other people, uh, <laughs> wasting your your life with with uh, other nonsense, and mm -hmm. while I have you on the yellow whiteboard, uh, we could have a bit more of a general discussion. The, the, the biggest nonsense of them all. Yes, of course. Um, so yeah, let's let's move on to Werder Bremen. Um, who are right now 10th in the Bundesliga after two wins and two losses. They took um, the L, the most recent one, against RB Leipzig. I think there was a 3-0. Um, I don't I don't know. Was it? I mean, obviously it was a shutout, but was it that clear? Did you did you see the game? Was it clear cut? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was nothing to really um, talk about. It's just they were so outperformed. Just, yeah, yeah. So it's just, I mean, Werder is one of these teams, especially right now with, with uh, basically half the squad injured. Um, they they can't compete with with a team like Leipzig that's also on a roll. Yeah, Leipzig really are on a roll, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be the top game on Saturday, so it's going to be the evening kickoff. And uh, well, actually, the top game is Leipzig against Schalke, but yeah. Wait, what? No, not, not in t in terms of. Uh, oh, in terms of. Team team ranking right now. Teams teams on form, you say? <laughs> yeah, team ranking basically. So Schalke and Leipzig are you know among the top five in the league. Right. Cool. Anywho, <laughs> what I was trying to say is that Nico Schulz is out and Mats Hummels is doubtful with a back injury. I don't think he trained on Wednesday, and I don't I don't know if he trained today on Thursday. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, I I would assume that he will be out as well and Bremen will have to do without Yuya Osako and uh, Niklas Füllkrug and uh, Moisander um, but there um, is of course the return of Nuri Schein after his suspension that he got against Union Berlin for uh, being sent off there and uh, Ümer Topra could also make a return and I think Philipp Bargfriede is back and Milo yep. Rashica is fit again Re so ret returned returned yeah Bargfriede returned um, I mean, I can I can update you a little bit on 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 the on um, personnel, um, but also before I do that, actually, I um, usually I check the team news on who scored, um, and uh, they had they had three bullet points on Dortmund, like something about piss check and maybe that that Hummels uh, is out. And they have and four the bullet points. <laughs> Sorry. And Bremen have four bullet points. <laughs> yeah, um, but but Dortmund's third bullet point. Forgotten man Mario Götze may get a rare chance in an advanced role with the games coming thick and fast. <laughs> Forgotten man, and also who's thick and fast? Also somewhat fast. What's coming thick and fast, Götze or the games? Yeah, that's what his joke. But th thank you for explaining the joke. <laughs> You're welcome. Bloody wanker. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so so I guess I mean I don't know because like the, the half the Bremen team is like injured or not really fit and whatnot. I don't know what they are doing up there. Uh, I guess just slaughtering players like in the dark or something. Um, I guess they they will will play. They might play a, a back three. Uh, with, uh actually, there, there will be a back three to there will be a sight to see. Uh, Friedel, Shahin in the middle, and. Wait, uh, yeah, yeah, Nuri Shine in the middle as center uh, back. 
as center back, yes, a central, a central defender in the back three, and uh, Theo Gepperselassi on as uh, right back, and then. Well, uh, well, if that happens, Dortmund will win like eleven to nothing. Yeah, well, could but could be. And um, Bittencourt as a li- left wing back, um, then Michael Lang as uh, Michael Lang. <laughs> Long, basically. Michael Long, you know, Michael Long as a right, right wing back and the Eggesteins and Klaasen in midfield and Sargent or, or Golok, a, a former Schalke player and uh, Rashika up on top. Yeah. I mean, Rashika uh, is actually a very good, um, addition for Bremen. So they should be glad that he returns. Yeah, because it's it's it. Uh, but just you know about the backline, it's uh, it's rumored that Toprak is not fit for the match. So I mean, they they got Christian Kroos left, a 31 year old def- central defender who just made his Bundesliga debut a few weeks ago. Um, that's something, yeah. Just <laughs> who, these, who's these who, who's the uh, usual center back pairing? Is it uh, Moisander and Augustinsson? Oh yeah, no, no. Augustinsson is, is their left back. Uh, it's uh, it's it's basically Mo- Moisander and Toprak, for instance. But it's not oh, really, really sure. I mean, uh, Toprak came in, or it's, it's uh, I mean, or like if all players are on ball, or if, if all players are fit, then it's uh, Moisander and Velkovic, right? Or Moisander yeah, yeah. and Se- Sebastian Lang, Langkamp, but also Toprak was Langkamp. was Langkamp, uh, you know, long 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 camp. Uh, but also uh, Toprak was signed because like Velkovic is maybe out the door or some sometime and. Yeah, but then Topper got injured and uh, it's just a mess. It's just a mess. Um, so yeah, there's, there's something to be said that maybe Nurishan will play in the middle of the back three. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's back from suspension. So I just also opened to scored and uh, what we can see in the probable lineups is that, uh, just I- totally wrong, but all right. Yeah, I think I think Mark Lovell is the one in charge for this now. Uh, my former ESPN colleague who covered Bayern as the beat writer. Um, so obviously he doesn't know what he's doing. But no, mo- <laughs> <laughs> but but <Okay. laughs> more uh, on a serious note. Um, if we look at double pivot Weigel and Witzel, is this something you would roll out against? Bremen, where Dortmund will probably have more possession. Yes, Bremen, I think, is the team with the fourth most possession in the in the Bundesliga. But I assume that, uh, especially in, in this game, Dortmund will have more of the ball. Or do you think that um, the uh, double pivot with Delaney and and Witzel, and then having Guerrero and Hakimi, for example, play with uh, in, you know a- adding more of the playmaking skill from from the side solves that, and you would stick with with what sort of worked in the last two home games in other words would uh, you play Weigel or not <laughs> yeah I, I would try out Weigel again I, I that's also something I, I, I forgot to say uh, when we discussed the Frankfurt match and the overall like issues uh, Dortmund have, have right now it's also that there's not much like rotation and not much like change of personnel and uh, that's also something that might be detriment to like uh, playing a more intense style. I mean, if sure, if if the same eleven or twelve players are like featured in uh, or like are playing every every three or four days, of course you can't play as intensely as you could if you just you know switch some. I mean, it's, from, it's still early matches. in the season, but I made exactly that still, point after sure. the Union Berlin game, where I said this is the perfect opportunity to bench Marco Royce because he does not play doesn't need to play in that game and just play Guts or whoever in, in his position or switch it around however else you want because Royce doesn't need to play every freaking minute. So um, just just my, my point exactly. And I think also you need to find breaks for Witzel because I, I said it before, in the games against Leverkusen and Barcelona, Witzel showed how valuable he is when he is fresh and fit. When he can press forward, that makes a big difference. But this is a level of intensity that dropped off significantly toward the end of last season just because he was completely burned out. And if I were Favre, I would look very closely at exactly that and say, okay, we need to rotate more often and give Witzel breaks. Obviously, Witzel now had a break uh, against Union Berlin because he was injured. But um, nevertheless... um, yeah, that's a, that's a criticism, and I also assume that uh, Dan Axel Zagadou would start um, next to Akanji because, um, yeah, 
I think Hummels will be out injured and uh, then we have to talk about uh, whether you would start Pischek again or or play Hakimi. Mm. So, hmm. yeah, just yeah, just uh, make make some changes, uh, just for the sake of you know letting a couple, uh, giving a couple of players a chance to play, um, our players, you know, giving some time on the bench, and yeah, that's I think that's what what you should what you should do. Otherwise, you have someone like I don't know Weigel for the third or fourth time on the bench, um. Someone like Dahoud not really playing any minute. Um, same with Götze. Um, so yeah, um, I think that's also something uh, Farfer has to do basically. Um, if he want, maybe wants to. I mean, we don't know, but if he decides to uh, let play Dortmund a bit more intense and a bit more with more energy, um, then you have to manage that set energy. More smartly, and you don't have to have like the same starting eleven or you know the same eleven, twelve, thirteen players. I mean, Dortmund each. now had like what six days, to, six days to recover because there wasn't a, a midweek fixture. But obviously, on Wednesday they will play away to Slavia Prague, and I wonder right. should Dortmund rotate now or the next game? Um, I mean, there there are a couple of good candidates that I would actually bench for for the game against Bremen. For example, Jaden Sancho, who hasn't really performed all too well. And just maybe give the kid a little break only to unleash him the next game, for example. Um, just a couple of things to ponder. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what we can expect of Bremen, but I think they will play a very intense game. Favre has pointed out at the press conference that uh, Florian Kofel likes to, um, yeah, change the, the system within the game. So, in other words, um, we can probably expect that Favre will be beaten within the by the in-game coaching of the opponent so we have to account for that <laughs> so yeah anyway and uh, what else is positive <laughs> positive well you know anyway so um again back to Dortmund's mid midfield so you would play Weigel and Witze uh yeah I guess and would you play Hazard or Brandt or both and bench Oh, I would I would give uh, Brent another chance. It's a little bit weird. I mean, he had one bad match and then he was dropped from starting eleven again. I know. I would also um, play Götze up top, I guess, or even even maybe play Götze under ten and Royce giving some rest, I'm giving Royce some rest. Sorry, maybe something like that. Just you know, give some players like we would we. we uh, Prior to the season or during summer, we we talked about like squat depth and stuff like that, and then you don't really use your depth. Like then you don't it have it. <laughs> that if, is it even there? Like is it you know, if you don't use your squat depth, is is it really there? Is the squat even existing if you only use thirty players? Yeah, I, I, I don't have to count. Those, are the, those uh, are the questions we have to answer. That's right? what we need last for because he could have uh, told us exactly the percentages of the players right now. Um, but uh, let's talk about Werder Bremen for uh, a minute. Um, who do you think... Right, count, counting down. <laughs> Too literal. Um, but who do you think Dortmund have to watch out for? Um, is it David Klaassen? Is it uh, Maxi Eggestein? Is it uh, Rashika... Josh Sargent, who do you think really um, are, are the players that will make the difference, not because they're good players, but because they can systematically hurt Dortmund? Yeah, obviously, Bittencourt, Shahin, and Toprak, um, <laughs> because that's usually what, what uh, happens. The, the, I, the, I, the I, curse of the X will systematically Yes, yes, yes. I mean, Toprak okay. might be out with injury or might be not fit or not, not fit to be in the starting 11. So I guess uh, Dortmund will concede a Shahin free kick and also a Bittencourt 60-yard uh, counterattack. Uh, uh, Bittencourt uh, running down five uh, Dortmund defenders. Um, in including uh, Berkey. So, yeah, that's basically what Dortmund should do. Uh, on a serious note, yeah, I guess, um, I mean, up up top, Rashika is uh, pretty much like one of Preyman's main assets. Um, Maxi Eggestein, right now, yeah, he's he's more like the holding midfielder, so it's not, he's not like he's really there to shine right now. He's just working for the team a lot, um, which, like, maybe doesn't help his 
own value as a player. But um, I mean, if you look closely, you see what uh, what he's all about, and that he is one of the cornerstones at Premier right now. Um, David Clausen, yeah, in some of these intense, you know, midfielders who can just cover a lot of space. Um, I think he replaced Delaney really well. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I guess that was uh, was one of the smallest transfers and signing or replacements, um, you know, done in the couple of uh, past few years by any Bundesliga club. I guess. I mean, you losing losing Delaney and getting Klaassen from Everton. I mean, that was like genius, basically. Um, also, I was like uh, somewhat well, um, not confused, but I was just surprised that um, they got Klaassen from Everton. Actually, so, well. Whatever. Um, maybe they should, they just bullshitted him into a contract. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just, you know, we, we, we are here, here at the yellow wall pot. We are, we ask the tough questions. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jojo Eggestein, Johannes Eggestein. Um, interesting player. I mean, yeah, it's also, it's like fascinating that now he plays basically as an attacking midfielder or even as a center midfielder. Where, uh, like a year ago or so, he was, uh, considered, like, too small and too weak to play, uh, as a striker, and now he's playing in center midfield, so, hmm. whatever. Um, yeah. So, and, and Shah, and Shahin, it's also, like, you have to watch Shahin at Bremen. It's, like, something out of, I don't know, like, like a, an old Mark van Bommel movie or something. Uh, because he's just there, like, he's really, really slow. You know, he's, like, really slow. Um, still, you know, Good foot, uh, good left foot, but um, just you know, any pressing will uh, you know make trouble. Um, and also, he now has to has learned how to just tackle and how to just like hurt people. Um, so that's also interesting. So, so maybe he should play uh, against Götze. You know, that would be something. I I I <laughs> like just, think just, that Chime always sh- had that over, uh, two overweight guys. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <what? laughs> hmm? No, I, I think Shine always had that element that, you know, his, his tackles were actually quite brutal. But I think now that his timing is even worse, uh, it, it's not, uh, good for the opponent's health. <laughs> yeah, but, but back, but back then he, he made these tackles while running. Right, right yes. now he's just standing there and like just flying. Yeah. Or just he, jumping. He, he, he is using the gravity as the accelerator instead of right, his own. Right. Yes. 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 Speed. Um, and also, I, I think, I think he, he, now he, his kicks are, you know, have a little more of a twist to it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, maybe he'll get a red card. I don't know. Would be something, um, or or he will just play as a as an old fashioned libero. So, question for you: mm-hmm. Is it is it more helpful for Dortmund if Shine plays, or if he gets sent off? What what do you think is better for Dortmund if they're with eleven men or down to ten but without Shine? Uh no no it's it's better uh, eleven against eleven players because I I guess if if like Preman is down to ten that's like the perfect scenario for Preman like pulling off the upset exactly that's that's the correct answer thank you very much uh you can transfer the one million to my bank account I will one million kisses <laughs> you can kiss my real side button that's all anywho. Um, yeah, I, I think I think uh, we're we're done talking about this game um, and just hope uh, Dortmund plays. No one gets hurt. Yeah, also that. Um, <laughs> and Dortmund play just as well as they did in in recent home games. Um, not <laughs> how they played in recent home games against Bremen, though, um, because they oh, didn't oh, oh, didn't win. Didn't go so great. Anyway. Um, Constantine, I thank you a lot for coming on and discussing the truth <laughs> about Boris Dortmund. <laughs> yeah, we are Dortmund truthers. Exactly. Um, no, but honestly, thanks for coming on and uh, helping me out because otherwise it would have just been me since everyone else is either sick or uh, in the air. So, um, yeah, please uh, tell our listeners how to get in touch with you. Uh, just check me out on Twitter, cc underscore eckner. That's awesome. You can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. You can find all of us at Yellowpod on Facebook and Twitter. And to subscribe to our show, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and uh, of course all the other podcatchers. Again, I'll 
say that uh, our um, RSS feed changed. So some old uh, uh, podcatchers might actually just show episode 286 or so. Um, so yeah, please update that. And uh, yeah, what else is there to say? Yeah, please uh, subscribe to our written content on theyellowwall.net and uh, pitch in one buck per month to access most of the written content. That would be amazing support. And otherwise, I hope everyone out there just enjoys Saturday's game and can forget about the away game until the next away game. So um, with that, as always, thank you for listening and goodbye.